Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I had, well, we'll see how time goes today, but I had um, planned to wrap up 14 this morning. We'll see if we get there. Um, Let's just read these verses in your hearing. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight according... In all wisdom and insight He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, things on the earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to His purpose who works all things after the counsel of His will to the end that we who were first were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. Verse 13, our text for this morning. In Him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. In past weeks, we've looked at the blessings from the Father, verses 1 through 6. We've looked at the benefits in the Son, verses 7 through 12. And now we are going to look at the security in the Holy Spirit that we have, verses 13 and 14. In Him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. I want you to understand first and foremost this morning that it's not just hearing the gospel that's just going to save you. You must also believe it. Some people think they just sit under a little bit of doctrine that they're going to heaven. Are you Christian? Yeah. I grew up in church. I went to Sunday school when I was a kid. I read my Bible. Isn't that the answer you often hear? Or something to that effect. Yeah, my parents raised me in church. They go to church. They go down to the so-and-so Methodist church. I'm sorry, that's not what saves you. You must believe the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the... So it starts with the gospel. The gospel is certainly requisite, but as this gospel passes through your ears and into your heart, and you put faith in the words and believe them, then you get saved by, listen carefully, the grace of God. You don't save yourself. Remember, you're saved by grace through faith. Now that faith, that believing in the word of Christ, you are a part of it. But God the Father saves you by His grace. So hearing plays a role. Faith is requisite, but it all happens by His grace after you listen and hear the message of truth. Well, how then will they call on Him whom have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Oh, I'm so very glad you asked this morning. Because those are the very hypothetical words of Paul in Romans 10, 14. He says, we are all to be the preachers. 
How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. So we have a responsibility to carry the gospel, the message of hope, that hope that lies within. Do you know how much of the world right now is without hope? If something should be apparent since, I don't know, mid-March till now, watch the news, turn it on for a minute, but no more than that because it will ruin you. People are without hope, aren't they? You've got people causing chaos and burning buildings really for no apparent reason in the name of some protest, quote-unquote. You've got people that are legitimately robbing stores for food. Do you know that there are Muslim people being put in concentration camps in China right now? Do you know that there are hundreds of Christians that were shot in churches in the last several months over in Africa? There are people in legitimate needs, but there are people that also have a hope, and that's in Jesus Christ. Some of the things you see going on in the world, people being afraid of a virus, people being afraid of this, that, and the other, people being afraid of what happens after the election, people being afraid of of whatever doctor report. They need a hope. They need the message of truth. And it's our responsibility to bring it to them to teach them the good news of Christ Jesus. So there's this sort of cooperation that happens with the earthly and the heavenly with salvation. We are the preachers. We bring the good news. We must preach it, but the listener must also hear it and believe it. So it's not just that it falls on us. The listener must also believe, but simultaneously, don't forget about the spiritual realm. The Holy Spirit's constantly doing His job. He's wooing and drawing them into the kingdom. But guess what? The individual who hears the message must also believe it on a spiritual level. So there's this kind of four-part thing going on. We preach, they hear. The Holy Spirit draws, they believe in the spiritual realm. So I want to I take time of this morning to remind you of this because I don't want us to take unnecessary burden of trying to convert others. Don't misquote what I said. Unnecessary burden. We have a burden to preach the gospel, but it's not your job per se to convert them. The Holy Spirit draws them and woos them. Don't miss what I'm saying. We're to be a missional people. We need to have the conversion of the lost on our minds and in our hearts. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has been believed, has been baptized, shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. But you know that this responsibility, according to Mark, isn't to make others believe. Simply the responsibility is to pre- preach the message of hope that is Christ. Jesus says, whoever does not receive you nor hear your, hear your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Matthew 10. Luke 9 is, for those who do not receive you, as for you, as you go out from that city, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Now we come to this next part of the verse in 13. It says, if you are in Christ, those that do have a hope, those that have believed in the message of truth, we have been sealed. And I want to spend some time on that next phrase. Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That is, we are sealed in Christ Jesus the moment we believe. As we hear the message of the truth, you are sealed in Him. It's not about baptism in water. It's not about 
even baptism in the Holy Spirit. The moment of belief in the gospel of Christ Jesus sealed you in the Holy Ghost. How many of you have ever, ever wondered or had some sort of insecurity in a relationship? Whether it be a boyfriend, I'm not sure he likes me anymore, a husband, a wife, a mom or a dad. Sometimes believers can feel that way towards God the Father. And they sort of think that God is looking for a way out of the relationship. He wants to abandon us, to give up on us. Listen, I want you to hear very clearly this morning that you were sealed in the Holy Spirit of promise. God's love for you is not wishy-washy. He's not leaving you. You are marked with a unique identifier of the long-awaited spirit of Yahweh God. God himself sealed you into his kingdom. Now notice here, the sealing of the Holy Spirit isn't predicated on your age or on your maturity, on your sinlessness. It's on what? Belief. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says, Do you not know that you are temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? I want to remind you this morning that the church in Corinth had a few problems going on. They weren't exactly the most mature of Christians, were they, Louis? They had divisions. They were immature. They were sinful. Paul says, don't you know that you're the temple, that the Spirit of God is dwelling in you? Uh, That means, you know, that if you think you are messed up, that if you're immature, that you're inconsistent, I want you to be reminded that the Holy Spirit dwells in you this morning. You can't escape His help, in other words. You can't get away from Him. You cannot escape the Holy Spirit's presence. Now let me sort of take a minute here to clarify that I don't believe this being sealed in the Holy Spirit is the same thing as being baptized with the Spirit. And I get that from several scriptures working together. John 20, 22. I won't read it in this morning. Acts 2, 1 through 4. Acts 19, 42. But just know that all believers have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, but not all believers have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The verse in our text is speaking of the sealing of the Spirit, which happens at the time of belief. As you heard the message of truth, when you believed it, you were sealed. Were you baptized at the time you believed? Not necessarily. Were you baptized in the Spirit at the time of belief? Not necessarily. Paul says, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? We have not heard of this Holy Spirit. When who have you been baptized in? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit in the moment of belief, though. So let me sort of describe the significance of seals in Bible times. Perhaps you'll glean just a tad bit more out of this. Today, archaeologists have found thousands of these tiny seals all over the Middle East. They can be something as simple as an ornate ring that has a uh, unique stamp on them, but more often they're like a spool of thread. It's got a hole through it. They've got writing on them, and they would roll them over some sort of wax or a moist clay, and it would leave an imprint on them. They had this unique, special design. And it would be sort of like signing documents. And so this seal was a sign of ownership on goods that were being transported and shipped. And this all plays into Ephesus, which was a big shipping center. Paul certainly speaking in analogy to the people, the believers there, that would be very familiar with what a seal was in this shipping town. Schofield's notes may be helpful. He makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is himself the seal. Obviously, we get that in Scripture. But he writes, A seal represents, number one, a seal represents a finished transaction. 
This is not an unfinished knot with something that has yet to be done. It's a finished transaction. Firstly, it's already executed. Now, I was going to go into uh, some, a spiel about um, eternal security and my beliefs on that, but I'm going to save that for another lesson this morning. But I want you to understand that, at least on God's end of things, I wanted to necessarily get into, can I lose my salvation this morning? But I want you to understand on God's end of things, the devil can't take it. God's not going to go back on his word. Now, can you forego? Can you grieve? I don't know. That's, that's a lesson for another day. But on his end, that sealing, you are sealed. You are marked with the Holy Spirit of God. And it's that constant reminder that you are in him. So firstly, it's an already executed transaction. Present tense, you are sealed. Number two, it signifies ownership. After someone would purchase goods, they would get packed for the shipment and a seal of ownership was placed on a sort of shipping containers I was talking about. And so when it would arrive at the destination, somebody could kind of recognize on the outside of the box or the bag, whatever it was shipped in, oh, this is from so-and-so. And they would allow those servants on the other side take that to the proper place and distribute it to the person who bought it. Did you catch this? The Holy Spirit in the life of the believer authenticates that you're not a fake believer, that you're a genuine believer, that you are owned and certifies to your purchaser that you are his when you are delivered to another location. You have, an, you have another destiny. How many of you are on that journey? You are sealed up, you are packed, and on the ship. And you've got somebody on the other side who's going to recognize that seal when you arrive. And it's probably not Peter at the gates. We don't, maybe it is, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus is there on the throne. He's, he's going to say, come, I know that seal. That's my Father's seal. That's the seal of the Holy Spirit. Hey, wait a second, I recognize that. That's because of the work of me. Come on in. It's the seal of the Spirit that verifies the Son purchasing of you by His blood. Matthew 7, and 23 say, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, you must be sealed in the Spirit of God to be authentically His. And so it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that marks you as a Christian. Are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I read the Bible. That's not what I asked. Well, I go to church. That's not what I asked. How do you know that you are a Christian? When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, does the Holy Spirit come and live inside of you, confirming the fact that you are sealed in the Holy Spirit? Are you in God the Father, in Christ Jesus? That's how we know. Got it? Good. Because that leads us to number three. Being sealed in the Holy Spirit signifies security. Oh, if you are in Christ, you have this sort of reminder. And it's the Holy Spirit bearing witness to your spirit that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High. 
Galatians 4, 6, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That is, the Holy Spirit is crying out to the Father in an intimate and personal way. Abba, Father. That's what that means. Reminding you of your relationship with Him. And the Holy Spirit is God's mark of salvation. I used to be afraid of losing my salvation. We watched um, A Thief in the Night, some old films from, I don't know, 70s, 80s? I wasn't born till almost 90, so yeah, <laughs> way older than me. Those films were at least 50 years old. Anyway, I was watching these films that were older than I was at the time. <laughs> Check yourself, Pastor. And I remember being scared to death of the things that were portrayed in the end times. Every night I would just pray to God for my salvation until I'd fall asleep. I mean, I was getting saved every, every single moment I was awake. But you know, as I matured, the Holy Spirit himself is a reminder. He's, he's all up in this temple and he's saying, Eric, can't you hear my voice? You're a son. You're an heir of God. The Spirit gives me his assurance and confidence that I am saved from my sins and I belong to God as his adopted child to the praise of his glory. I hear this often enough. Pastor, well, have I committed the unforgivable sin? Have I lost my salvation? Well, I don't think that you've lost your salvation if you are concerned about grieving the Holy Spirit to that point. You probably feel his conviction, that is, at that point. So again, we'll save loss of salvation for another teaching when I have more time to go into the nuances of it, but I believe as long as you're hearing the Holy Spirit, you have this confirmation that you are in him. Now, we need to walk according to the Spirit, and we're going to get into that in future chapters in Ephesians. But I want you to be encouraged this morning and not insecure about your relationship with God the Father. Do you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you? That's his proof of the salvation that's to come. That's actually proof we're going to get into of your inheritance to come. The Holy Spirit is a deposit of that inheritance. Now, along these lines, I want to also briefly make mention that you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, Ephesians 4.30. Do you remember the end of that verse? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day. Again, ties into this verse that we're in. We'll cover that in more detail when we get there, but basically know that because you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, we ought to walk both according to Christ's example and the Father's expectations. And whenever we do not do the things that we should, which is omission, and when we do the things that we should not, which is commission, we grieve and disappoint Ruach Akadesh, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So we have this requirement and exhortation, according to Paul, Ephesians 4, verse 30, that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. But I want you to be encouraged this morning that because you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, 
you are reminded that you are in Christ Jesus. Finally, note in our text that the Spirit is called the Holy Spirit of promise. That is because the Spirit of God was prophesied of to Joel. You can see Acts 2, verse 17. So the housing of the Spirit of God was not a new concept to the New Testament believers. Now, that prophecy was certainly first realized in the upper room we have in Acts. But you might remember that Peter spoke out in his first sermon after that event. says, this promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all of those that are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. That's Acts 2, 33 and 39. And so this blessing of God the Father that not only reminds us of our future inheritance and marks us as washed in the blood, it has been long promised. In other words, it wasn't some spontaneous accident of an idea that God came up with. Jesus said to heaven, now what do I do? Well, I guess I could give them a couple blows of my wind and just make them silly for a little bit. No. Ruach HaKodesh, who participated in the creation of the universe, brooding over the surface of the deep, he was long promised to be sent to us the day of God's choosing. Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go, for if I do not go, I can't send to you that helper. And so we had Jesus, we had God the Father in human flesh on the earth. How wonderful is that? But Jesus said, it's actually better if I go. Guess what? I'm going to restore the presence of God with you that Adam and Eve had in the garden. I'm going to give you a taste of your inheritance, that Holy Spirit, that presence of me. So I go. And he sent. And that mighty wind blew across that place and tongues of fire dispatched upon them. And Paul, or Peter said, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. And so this blessing of God the Father that not only reminds us of our future inheritance and marks us as washed in the blood, know that it has been long promised. It was not an accident. God knew that if the church were to fight the battle ahead, we would only be able to accomplish it through His Holy Spirit. That is really what the book of Ephesians is about. The church walking in her intended purpose. That's what I'll call Ephesians. Ephesians, the epistle of the church walking in her intended purpose. I don't know about you, but I want to be the best bride for God's son. I don't want to be a bridezilla. I'm not saying Kennedy is. It's just coincidental. That was strictly coincidental. She's here. (laughs) Have you ever seen a bridezilla? Scary stuff. Don't you want to be a good bride for God, for his son? Mm, You just want to be ready, everything easy. Here's a challenge. You're going to need to walk in the promise spirit of God. That's the only way that you'll be worthy for a son. You have to walk according to the spirit if you want to be ready for his son. 